Jags and Newport on the levee. Now, alongside the head coach of the Cyclones, Jared Scully, here's your host, Nick Brunker. All right, welcome in. It's another Monday Night Live at GameWorks. We're happy to have you along as we kick off another week with the head coach of the Cyclones. I'm Nick Brunker. We are pleased to be with you, as we are every Monday night from 7 until 8 p.m. And certainly a couple of big wins. The Cyclones now winners of three consecutive games going for four beginning tomorrow night. At 7.30. Coach, congratulations on a big week. It must feel good to get a couple of, and uh, now three of them in a row strung together. Yeah, I know that, that felt really good. Obviously getting that win in, uh, in Toledo after the, 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 the game there a couple weeks ago or a week ago when we, uh, we had the lead, so it was nice to get a road win. And, of course, uh, you know, the, just, just the ways the guys have played at home has been really terrific. And, uh, um, you know, we got an opportunity here, obviously, with games coming in uh, at home uh, before the Christmas break. So it was nice to get a couple here and uh, start this next week. We've got a, a few things to get to. We obviously have plenty of news about the week. We have roster dis uh, discussions to have. Uh, of course, Kalamazoo and Chicago, both opponents that will be uh, on the ice against the Cyclones this week. But before we move any further along, uh, there is news today uh, that, and I guess we're having I issues with the audio they're trying to fix, uh, an announcement that I'm going to let you make, uh, that you came into my office today at uh, probably about 3 o'clock, maybe 3.30, uh, and the news was big, and I'm going to let you explain how the day went for you and what that news is. Well, as everyone here knows, we haven't had a captain all season. We've been running with uh, different assistants, and, you know, Brian O'Hanley, who was a start of the year as an assistant, hasn't been here for a while, and Matthew Aubin and David Lederer, and, and even a, a Garrett Wilson had worn the A at one point uh, for a couple games. But, uh, you know, as the season's gone along here, and I think, uh, you know, okay. it's important to have a – have a captain, and uh, today we announced that Matthew Aubin is the new captain of the Cincinnati Cyclones. Very exciting, and I know that, uh, that I talked with him just briefly. I called him on the phone to congratulate him. He seems just incredibly excited and amped up. Oh, he was so, so happy. I mean, uh, the thing with, with Matthew is, is um, you know, the things he does on the ice, all the, all the details he takes care of in the room, he, the, the guys really, really like him. They really respect him. And, uh, you know, he challenges them. I know, uh, you know, I, I've known Matthew now for just over a year, and I know uh, talking to people who have known him for five years now, he's really come a long way from uh, the French kid in the corner that couldn't speak <laughs> English to being the new uh, captain of the uh, Cincinnati Cyclones. So really proud of Avi, the way he's uh, stepped up over uh, last season and, and, and this season too, the way he has led by example. And he is vocal in that room also. Feel free to spread that news around any social channels you may be connected with. We have not announced it officially, so you are the first people to know about Matthew Aban becoming the new captain of the Cincinnati Cyclones. Very exciting, and uh, I'm sure we'll have more to talk with him about. I'll visit with him tomorrow during the intermission show on the Cyclones Radio Network. Another big roster change, although not really. it wasn't a surprise as much as it was kind of a relief in a sense, getting Daniel Coger back. He'll be here this week, and, and although he played well, according to all accounts, back in St. John's this past week, he's back for the Cyclones as we get into a big three in about five days. Yeah, he is back. Um, physically, he is here. Um, <laughs> unfortunately, they didn't pack his skates at, uh, in St. John's. So uh, getting anything off the rock takes a couple days, so his skates will not be here in time. Um, he has an extra pair, a new pair, but they don't, uh, they came the wrong size. So just a, a weird uh, tidbit, and I'm disappointed for uh, Kogi because uh, I know he's excited to play, and uh, uh, so he won't be in the lineup tomorrow. Okay, other roster news. Is there any to speak of at this point, or is the rest of it status quo? Uh, right now, we're, uh, we're kind of still waiting on a few things. I, I know Milwaukee's a little, little banged up, and uh, 
Uh, I think Ro uh, not Rochester, uh, San Antonio <laughs> is uh, is all set. But we're uh, you know we're going in the week uh, uh, get the game tomorrow with uh, pretty much the same lineup we had. Uh, you know, unfortunately again with Kogi not being able to be in there, but. Uh, uh, we might be getting a, a defenseman added tomorrow. We'll find out by uh, mid-morning and uh, uh, go from there. So we might see one more new face in the lineup. Tomorrow. Jonathan Hazen will be with us tonight as well to talk. And uh, obviously the other newcomer, Angelo Esposito, will be with us on this show as we move through. We have a live Mike Robb is not going to be here tonight. He'll be with us back tomorrow uh, as we get on the air for our pregame stuff. So if you want to ask a question to the coach or any of the players tonight, you can come up and grab the live mic and we'll, we'll take your questions as we move through. All right, let's look back at the week. Uh, game against Toledo. We'll start there on the uh, the Friday. Uh, you go up there for the first of a home-and-home, and, home and we know the story about going up there. It's a tough place to play, although they, they were kind of depleted roster-wise, as were you the week prior, so it was kind of familiar from the opposition's bench to look down and see the absences of, of Evan Rankin and Adam Estaclay, uh, and obviously in that Saturday, a surprise with Ryan Sapolsky going instead of McCollum. Uh, give me your thoughts on the weekend as a whole, and then we'll break down some specifics. Well, going into Friday's game, you know, sitting there on Thursday leading up to that, uh, knowing that Toledo was depleted, and we really, uh, you know, we were missing some, some key parts. And then uh, within a phone call, we knew we were getting three forwards uh, uh, from San Antonio, Garrett Wilson, uh, Angelo Esposito, and um, uh, Joe Devin, yes. which we, uh, we haven't seen in a long time. So to add those guys to our lineup was really huge. And uh, uh, it's one of those things that happens. You go into that game, and uh, everybody's excited to have the new guys back or some new players and some guys returning. And uh, that was probably by far our worst period of hockey all season, <laughs> 20 minutes up. And I think we got outshot 18 to 5. Mm -hmm. And it was just, uh, just an ugly period on our, our half. We, I mean, we were probably 90% in our own zone, really yeah. couldn't generate anything. And... Uh, um, you know, we came out better in the second period. I thought we responded a lot better. And then, of course, in the third, we, I, I thought we played a solid game and just kept, uh, you know, chipping away and digging down. And uh, we got that win. So, I mean, it, it felt good. Coming out the way we come out and the way we finished was uh, – Two different teams, and I, I think it really, uh, the third period really carried over into Saturday's game. The big note about that game on, on Friday night was as the horn sounded at the end of the third period and the win had come in place, it officially locked you into the 100 win club as a professional coach. It was his 100th professional coaching win, so congratulations on that. Thanks, Nick. Uh, and certainly uh, a well-deserved two points, and it was crazy because of how... Uh, the officiating we've talked about on the show time and time again, and, and we won't belabor the point, but uh, that was one of the oddest games I have ever seen called from a referee in, in as long as I've been watching the game of hockey. Would you agree? Uh, yeah, thank God it was uh, going against Nick Fatusi in Toledo <laughs> because, uh, yeah, I mean, the, the Mike Pollock's goal that the referee waved off initially that he kicked in, clearly he didn't kick it in. It just hit him off the... Uh, the skate and he actually overturned it which surprised me in this league I mean mm -hmm. he was pretty adamant that it wasn't a goal he overturned that and then to see them on a two-on-one clear-cut two-on-one and stop the play to give Nick a two-minute bench uh, bench penalty so uh, you know got a break there again with the referee and then to get the five-minute major for a slew foot that was uh you know, it was, I guess, the second time this year we've heard slew foot. Eh, Amazing. I've never heard it coming into the year. We've heard it twice now. Yeah, so uh, I, I thought that was a questionable five-minute major to give their guy a, a, a slew foot in a, in a fight like that. It happens every fight uh -huh. where someone's trying to take someone down. And, uh, you know, so, uh, yeah, I, I understand Nick's frustration, but I've never seen a game with the referee being that involved in uh, 
in some odd, odd situations. Well, it was odd, too, because, and we're not going to complain, it turned out to be the power play that gave you guys the game-winning goal with, uh, with uh, the, the victory in the third period there. But then what also occurred the very next night, you may recall the man that did it ended up skating on the ice the next night against Cincinnati, which normally would not be the case because slew footing also, in addition to being a five-minute, is a one-game suspension for a match penalty. I guess they had overturned the fact that it was even a match. So the call not only was inaccurate on the ice, we both kind of agree on that, but then it ends up being they agree with that after the assessment, and they let him back on the ice the next day. It was just a wild, wild 24 hours. Yeah, Joe Ernst called to say he wouldn't be suspended, and he was rescinding the five-minute major uh, uh, match penalty call. So, um, you know, I, I, you know that, that's fine. I mean, he's uh, uh, I thought the referee overreacted in that situation, and the linesman as well, who uh, initially saw it. So, um, yeah, it was just all around, and it continued on after that. That was just a, a, an odd game from an officiating standpoint. Mike is here and has our first question of the night. Mike, you go ahead. Hi, Mike. Good evening, Nick. Hello. Coach. First of all, I want to thank you, your coaches, and the players for a perfect hockey weekend. Thanks a lot, Mike. Right. And um, when I say perfect, I mean you won both. You, you won both games. And then the officiating was good. <laughs> Worked out in our favor, at least. Right, right. I Which wouldn't call it doesn't good. doesn't happen all the time. Correct, right, correct. Right. And then we went down to the um, where the players met, Holy Grail. Yes, yeah. our post-game Saturday Night Social, yeah. Festive, winning atmosphere. Like I say, it was a special weekend. So I wanted yeah. to thank you all for that. Oh, thanks, Mike. I know the guys were pretty excited after the game. You can tell, uh, you know, uh, once uh, we all got in the locker room on Saturday night, you could tell the guys were pretty excited. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, it was a fun weekend. You know, they, they had to work hard. We, we started off slow, like I said, that first period. But uh, we got better and better as the weekend went on. And, uh, you know, it's something we talked about, getting getting these points against our division. And yep. uh, that was a good, uh, good weekend to start. And it's amazing. Thanks, Mike. And a good question, Mike. Bailey will have a next question in just a second. Uh, Mike Liambis had a, one of the more entertaining games to watch on Saturday. He's always running around. just He's playing with, as you call it, sandpaper. He's very yeah. gritty. Yeah. Uh, and uh, it's amazing. On Saturday after the game, uh, he and I walked over to the Holy Grail together, and he was just I, – I haven't seen him so excited in a long, long time as, as just being in front of a big crowd, getting a big fight, obviously playing well and getting a win. Uh, he is just all smiles right now. And not surprisingly, that's the kind of guy he is, but – He's on cloud nine. Yeah, I mean, he, he's getting an opportunity to play more. He's getting better, you know, playing defense and uh, being involved. And, and as much as he plays, he still likes to do that other part of it, as we saw on Friday and Saturday. And, and he, it was well-timed, too. It yeah. wasn't at a bad point in time. No, he's, uh, I mean, Mike's really smart about those situations. Uh, you know, he's feeling it today. Uh, his body's feeling the effects of the weekend today. But, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, we'll see how he does tomorrow. But he's... Uh, he loves it. He loves being involved. He's another guy that's a young guy that's a leader on our team also. You know, he's a guy that leads by example, and uh, uh, he's a vocal guy in that room, and he's a well-respected guy, and I know he's having a blast playing right now. It's probably the most he's played in, in his professional career mm -hmm. uh, since I've had him, and uh, uh, I'm, I'm glad that, uh, that he's enjoying it and getting the ice time that he deserves. Bailey is here with a question. Bailey, you can grab the mic and go ahead with your question. Hello. Hello, um, Bailey. I have a question for Nick. For me, okay. Yes. What's your favorite part of your job? Oh, watching hockey every day. It's great. 
I get to be around these guys and talk and uh, we sit in the office and kind of go over things and he tells me stories from, from his old day <laughs> playing days and uh, just it's great being around a, a sport you love and it doesn't really feel like work. That's what I like the most. Good question. Nice. All right. I'm surprised she didn't have one for you. Very rarely is it just a one question. question. Very good question tonight. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's ask uh, about Saturday because if the... I don't know if you talked about it on the air last week or not, but off the record and off the air, we spoke about how there's, there's always when there's a teddy bear toss or uh, and a promotion that is involving what has to happen on the ice, there's a little bit of nerves, a little bit of pressure to do it and do it quickly. Uh, in this case, scoring a goal was necessary to uh, begin the teddy bear toss at U.S. Bank Arena, which, by the way, set a record for the Cyclones. It was their best one ever. Uh, they had over 1,100 bears tossed onto the ice on Saturday, which was the best that it's ever been in the seven years that, uh, that the team has done it. Uh, <laughs> it was amazing because you called for it. You wanted it to be early, and just like that, your captain now, Matthew Aban, delivers the, the goal to get the teddies on the ice within the first five or six minutes of the game. Yeah, in those situations, you, you, you want to get it done. You know, you want everybody to enjoy it. You want to have a good moment. You don't want to be, you know, down 4 nothing and you score that goal and make it 4-1, <laughs> and it's sort of, uh, you know, not much fun for anybody. So it's yeah. nice to come out and get that first goal, I believe, six minutes into the game mm -hmm. to see Avi score that and win an unbelievable pass by Mike Pellick on that goal. And, um, you know, so it's, it's nice to get that out of the way, and it's, it's a fun thing. I think it's great. It's a... Uh, uh, the police car coming out and sirens going. I've not seen that before, but uh, that was great. That was a great night, and uh, the crowd was uh, really into it, and to see that big crowd on a Saturday night was a lot of fun. Uh, you mentioned Mike Pellick's assist. He's now uh, among the team leaders. He has been, although you combine his numbers from Toledo, and here he has a goal and 13 assists. Most of them have been here in Cincinnati. He has 14 on the year in 16 games. Uh, a guy that was brought in. Uh, you, you needed a center. It wasn't like a, a guy that just happened to be a warm body, as sometimes it's referred to. He, he's a guy that has not only produced but excelled on a nightly basis. And you mentioned the past, the assists. This is just a regular night in the day of Mike Pellick. Yeah, he, he does some things on the ice, some real subtle things out there that he just has great vision. He, he uses his body uh, to his advantage, and, and he can be a little nasty at times too. So, uh, uh, you know, Pelly's a, Pelly's a great face-off man. It's exactly what we... Uh, we need and uh, him and Avi together and whether it's uh, Garrett Wilson or Daniel Koger on the left side I thought they've been uh, very productive and very effective every game well with the mention of Devin he obviously scores the game-winning goal on Saturday Let, let's break down Saturday a bit because it, at first it was like all right we're cruising this is a this is a good situation it's two nothing and then it's two one and then obviously you go off three one with, with Devin's goal uh, that ends up becoming the game winner at the end uh, it was a Typical Toledo-Cincinnati matchup. There was physicality. It was back and forth. But at the end of the day, you were able to kind of boa constrictor style run the timeout and make sure that although despite some late penalties, they were not able to send it to overtime. Yeah, I mean, we've had some good games this year, uh, dating back to last year, and I'm sure even beyond that, there was uh, it's always Toledo seems to be tough. And, uh, you know, like we had that crazy one up there where they we had the 2-1 lead and we came, mm -hmm. they came back. So, you know, I, I, you, you always want to hope you learn some lessons along the way here. And, um, you know, that was a message going to the third period that uh, we have to keep going. Unfortunately, they got that. That late one to make it 3-2, but, uh, you know, I thought Chet, uh, Chet played well enough, and, and, and we just shut down uh, their offense, and uh, like I said, it's always going to be crazy against Toledo. You played 18 games uh, so far this season, and, and now you look at the, the one-goal decisions. You're 5-4-0-3, oh, so pr practically uh, all of your games, especially recently, have be, become either very close at either beginning of the game and then you know it expands then gets back close again you finish so close with your opponents on a nightly basis as a coach 
That's got to be pressure filled almost every single night. You know it's going to get close. Well, yeah. I mean, all our games, I mean, uh, you know, we had the one uh, 6-3 loss against Toledo. That one, you know, rough night there. We've beaten uh, uh, Kalamazoo 5-2 at home. Mm -hmm. We've won 3-0 in Trenton. But um, every game beyond that's been uh, one-goal games. Whether we've had the lead, they've come back, or they've had the lead and we've come back, or, yeah. or whatever. You know, Garrett Suter scoring with 20 seconds left in the game. Uh, you know, uh, Anthony Luciani a minute 12 mm -hmm. to get the winner against Greenville. So it seems like every night there's a, uh, it's a battle right till the end, you know, whether the goalie's pulled and, and all that stuff. So it's, uh, it's exciting. It, it just makes the wins, uh, you know, a lot more enjoyable. And, um, you know, some nights you just wish we get that, that extra one to give a little bit of a comfort, but uh, you know, like this weekend, we'll, we'll, we'll take those wins and, and, and look forward to getting to Kalamazoo tomorrow night. Boy, there's nothing better than a, a crowd of any time you get more than 3000 people in our building it gets to be rocking, but when you have 7,723 people in our barn, it is unbelievable the atmosphere that it, that it is on a nightly basis, but even more so, it gets taken to a whole different level when you have a guy or a crowd the size that we did on Saturday, and you consider that it's also one of the top 14 best crowds ever in Cyclones regular season history, and as a, as a coach, and I know players, you mentioned multiple times that players do feed off it. As a coach, you would do as well, I would imagine. Oh, you can, you can feel it in warm-up, just uh, sitting on the bench for a little bit and warm up you can already feel the energy in the building and um, you know right from the national anthem and uh, after the free Howie you can kind of uh, <laughs> start feeling it uh, you know building so it's uh, it, I mean it's a great it's a great atmosphere in there and I know that uh, when we come out hard we come out in those first five minutes and try to get the lead it really helps with the crowd as we get closer it's hard to believe 2012 is uh, is just around the corner and, and we actually have our next PBR uh, viewing party, which is going to be at uh, Max Pizza coming up on Friday, December the 30th. We do want to point out that there are no more tickets available for purchase for the bus. So the only way you can get on the bus with us to go to Chicago is to go to these watch parties and get up the tickets. So be sure to head to Max Pizza on the 30th against Toledo, ironically enough, uh, as the, uh, the night before New Year's Eve will be on the road in Toledo. You can uh, watch it live at Max. And uh, of course, all the information, if you don't have a pen or a piece of paper to write it down, is available at CyclonesHockey.com. Let's talk about uh, the way that this team has continued to get shots, but also limits the other team's shots. Although the exception to the rule was, was the game where Toledo outshot you uh, relatively heavily, although they didn't really have that high of a shot count to begin with. Is there something that you're doing defensively that, that limits where they're shooting and, and how much they're shooting? Well, I think the, the biggest thing we stress defensive zone is sticks on pucks. Whenever, uh, you know, we're, we're in the defense zone, whether it's the forwards getting in lanes, going out to the point to try to deny a, a direct shot on net or our defensemen uh, playing one-on-ones, uh, you know, we want to make sure we have sticks on puck, take away time and space. And I think that that takes away, uh, you know, scoring opportunities and shots on net. And the flip side is, you know, we, we have been getting a lot of shots, but, you know, some nights they, they're, they're, they're some weren't as quality as others, but... Uh, one thing we, we stress on every day is getting in the front of the net, getting pucks high, uh, you know, low to high, east to west at the point, mm -hmm. and getting people to net. And I think we've, uh, uh, for whatever reason, we haven't been getting as many uh, shots on net, but I think our quality chances have been better and we've been getting more traffic in front of the net. And you've been getting offense early too, which is a note that, uh, that I pointed out in tomorrow's uh, version of our game notes for for the game day, yeah, you're 6-3-0-1 oh, when you strike first. It's not necessarily uh, a surprise because most teams, if they can get ahead early, you're going to be on the good side of a scoreboard at the end uh, rather than on the bad side before all is said and done. Uh, it's just amazing as, as just a fan of the game watching 
uh, the relief almost that the players can skate with when they can jump out one or two in the first five to six minutes like they did on, uh, on Saturday night. Yeah, I mean, we, we talk about it. We, we want to get the first three shifts in. We want to roll them over. We want to, you know, establish the pace and, 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 and get in their zone and get some bumps and, and, and get some quality scoring chances and build off that momentum. And if, if you can establish yourself in the first five minutes and mm-hmm. guys are rolling, guys are into it, it just sets yourself up for the rest of the game. Now, um, like you said, Nick, every team wants to get up to that lead, but I think it's, uh, it, it's very, very important. I mean, the numbers support it, and... Uh, uh, makes for a lot of fun hockey, gets the crowd into it, gets our guys into it. Uh, you and I had a conversation uh, off the air during, I believe it was two weeks ago when the story came out, completely off the Cyclone subject for a minute, but I think since it's a hockey-oriented show, it, it is something that I think you guys would get into an interest in. Uh, was it the New York Times did a piece, a multi-part piece, on fighting in hockey, and of course it, it is linked to uh, the uh, Derek Bugard death, uh, and they've kind of put it all into you know, a, a packaged story about what fighting is in hockey, why it's still here, and certainly the effects that it can take on players and the toll that it does take on players that are not only playing but perhaps the ones like yourself that have retired and are maybe feeling the after effects, not so much yourself personally, but, but players that are maybe from your generation that are finished playing but are still having after effects. Tell, for those that may not have read the article, uh, which, by the way, will be linked on my page at cyclonshockey.com if you want to read it. Uh, tell them what it's about and what their premise of the story was and what your thoughts are on it. Well, just just investigating, uh, obviously, what's happened this summer with Derek Bugard and, um, you know, dating back to last summer with uh, Bob Probert and, and uh, Wade Belak and, and, you know, it's uh, Mar- uh, Rick Ripien. And so they, they've, they've sort of looked deeper into this, into the, the culture of fighting in the National Hockey League and, and why, why it's allowed in, in the sport and the effects it has on people in the sport. And it's... Uh, you know, it's a very in-depth uh, uh, three-part series on Bugard, which mm-hmm. uh, it always seems to be uh, you know, a happy-go-lucky type guy along with Wade Belak that seem very uh, put together, very strong personalities that um, you know, when a- away from the rink and stuff have um, you know, some sort of issues and whether it's linked to fighting or not. But you know, it's a very powerful article, and um, you know, I know it's something the National Hockey League is going to be investigating, that, you know, the, the whole culture of fighting and whether fighting is... Uh, uh, should be in the game and you know my, my take uh, you know if, uh, if you would ask me a couple of years ago maybe it was last year that fighting is a big part of the game mm-hmm. and it's an integral part of the game and um, but I, I, I see I see it going we're going away from that a little bit I think uh, uh, you know down the road here it kind of goes uh, with a lot of a lot of changes that happen in the sport that you don't think it'll ever happen but I could see down the road here there'll be no fighting in hockey at some point um, you know just with some of the things that have happened uh, over the last year and even in the past, you know, that I think it's something the National Hockey League and Gary Bettman are going to look at, uh, uh, I'm sure which they already are looking at, is going to be something that they're going to address with the Board of Governors and, and see down the road here about what, what impact hockey, uh, fighting has on the game. For what it's worth, I agree with that stance, uh, that maybe it's time to, to re-view uh, what that part of the sport is about and what, what purpose does it serve. Uh, on the devil's advocate side of it, though, think back to the hit, I believe it was on Max Pacioretty, I could be wrong about that, uh, that he was run, um, run from along the wall and along the benches and it hit the partition, yeah. which is obviously a reason why now they have the, the, the rounded, uh, rounded pads yeah. and things like that. But uh, do you foresee if they take fighting out, whereas maybe a player goes into the wall hard, gets hit from behind, something that, that a player, maybe an enforcer type, would, would deem as, uh, negative, a bad play, a dirty hit, a cheap play, mm. would they maybe take it upon themselves to go deliver a hit like that, 
or maybe keep their eyes open, knowing that they can't fight, they try to take out their aggression in a different way. I think what they've got to remember is that, you know, the, 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 the youth is getting raised differently than it was from the, the 60s and playing and 70s and 80s. Yeah. It's almost like, uh, you know, that was ingrained in you when you're growing up about fighting and physical and, you know, stepping in for teammates and, and, and running people. And I think, you know, and, and I see changes in young guys. We've got 20-year-olds that, that aren't taught the same way that, that myself or Andrew Castles and then the people before us and stuff. So, you know, I think that whole culture is changing. Like where, you know, you're not brought up to be, you know, like your parents brought you up that way. To, right. Especially the, the culture I came in was that, you know what, you you ran people, you, you know, you're physical, you stood up for each other, you get chippy, and if you have to fight, you fight. You know, and that's just, that was part of it. I don't think uh, kids are coming up that way, parents and coaches, and I think there's more of a emphasis on skill and, 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 and all that. So, um, you know, it's hard to say. I, I think um, it's something that they are definitely going inve to investigate, mm -hmm. and, um, you know, we'll just see how it goes. The other big NHL slash AHL news, perhaps, depending on how the trickle-down affects, uh, is the realignment of the NHL. They've now taken the, the division alignment and, and chopped it up into four conferences now. We've had a back and forth on what they're going to name those conferences, perhaps maybe going back to the old days and some of the older names, maybe uh, combine them with some of the, the newer legends, if you will. Uh, but regardless of the names, tell me what your thoughts are on the four, uh, four conference setup and how it's going to not only change the game, but in my opinion, improve it. I think it's great. I think it, it creates, I, I get a feeling of that old, you know, Norris division and Adams division. I think the, the right. rivalries, I'm glad that everybody's playing each other. I think that's important for the game that, you know, Sidney Crosby and players like that are seen throughout the National Hockey League city. So, um, you know, I'm happy for Detroit Red Wings, Columbus, Dallas that don't have to travel so far west and uh, for their games. I, I'm excited about it. I think it's going to be great. We'll have to see the, the, the playoff alignment, how that all you know, uh, uh, plays itself out, but it's, uh, I think it's exciting. It's about time they've changed it up. I'm, I'd like to see them go back to those divisions, the, the, uh, the Smythe division and stuff, but I think yeah. it'd be interesting to see if they come up with a, you know, a Howe, a Gretzky or something. Right, uh, division, right. Or conferences, they're calling them. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, it'll be exciting to see what they do with that. It's interesting too, because the argument is that it's, it's although there is travel limitations, it really doesn't change the game that much. You're still going to have travel. I, I argue that, you know, for me as a fan, and I don't know about you guys, but if you go to a game, the Columbus Blue Jackets as an example, if you're a season ticket holder for them, some of their best games are, you know, best attended games are the Red Wings and other bigger names in the around the NHL. This way, teams that are everywhere are going to get a chance to see some of the best stars from across the entire country, not just maybe in their pockets, where on a given year, as an example, in the ECHL, just weather-wise, I'd like to go back down to Florida in January like we did almost one year ago, but we don't see Florida. And, and, of course, in the ECHL, it's a whole different animal, but we don't go out west. We don't see those teams. And I think you have, on a different scale, teams in the NHL, they're going to see teams that maybe fans have never even seen before. Oh, yeah, and some teams travel better than others. I mean, Detroit and Boston and teams like that, I mean, wherever they go, they, they have a, almost like a home ice advantage. They've got <laughs> so many of their own fans there with them. So. Um, yeah, it's great. I think it's important for that, that, that people see, uh, you know, maybe a Ryan Nugent Hopkins or who, you know, people want to see these players and we'll pay to go see them. And uh, I think it's important. Now with us, Nick, you know, we are going to Elmira on the same trip that we took Can't last wait. year. So Can't wait. Unfortunately, we won't be in Florida, but we'll be in Elmira. Next best thing, right? Great karaoke bar. That's for sure. Although we're not going to be there on a Thursday, which is their karaoke night. Maybe we'll just have to break it open. I got the equipment. <laughs> All right. In charge you, for it. Would you, would you, you, start, you start it off. 
That's not going to happen. All right. That's not going to happen at all. Uh, the only other question surrounding the NHL before we break and then bring up Jonathan Hazen to start things off and Angelo Esposito, both of whom are here and will join us in a bit. Uh, the curious realignment piece in that, that fourth conference was the fact that Winnipeg is the lone Canadian team in that spot. Now, the conspiracy theorist to me says that was already preplanned as such so that they're going to perhaps realign again, not significantly, but put a team in Quebec and put Quebec in that conference. Is that something that you see happening in the next couple of years? Because I know there's chatter, but is yeah. it something as a, as a former NHLer you think is happening soon? I, I think there's more to it. I mean, obviously, Winnipeg, there's been talk of it for years and years, and then finally, uh, you know, it, it happened. I think they're definitely going to uh, find a way to get a team into Quebec City. It's, I guess it's just a matter of which one out west, which I guess the odds on would be Phoenix. But, you know, uh, who knows? Uh, uh, I would imagine there's some thought there was some, some thought to uh, your conspiracy theory there for sure, Nick. Last but not least, I, I have one last question I forgot. NHL.com did a great piece on the Florida Panthers, the Cyclones parent club, one of them, on, on the surprise that they are uh, as they are now atop of their division in the NHL in the South. Uh, you've had a chance to kind of rub shoulders with the brass down there. Uh, you've seen the, the development, obviously, from your level, just from the very basic level all the way up into the NHL. But you've actually had conversations in the locker rooms and in the boardrooms, if you will, during training camp. Uh, this although maybe surprises some, I would imagine it doesn't surprise you a whole heck of a lot at, at how well they're doing. You know what, I think what, what Dale Talon's doing is uh, he's going to do a great job. I mean, this guy, know, he just knows hockey. 40 years in the game, uh, you know, part of the Chicago Blackhawks organization. He's been through some tough times there. He's been through some great times. Uh, you know, he knows hockey players. He knows talent. He understands what it takes to, to win. And, uh, you know, he, he, a lot of people applied for that Florida Panther job, but I think he had his guy in place, Kevin Deneen, uh, well in advance and you know Kevin does a great job and uh, you know they're, they're, they're hockey guys and uh, they, they brought in hockey players that was the message at Florida Panthers camp is that you know we don't we don't need guys that because they they, they do well on the uh, uh, you know the, the testing and the physical conditioning and stuff like that Dale Talon wants hockey players part of the Florida mm -hmm. Panthers organization and that's what they've done they brought in some some talented guys, some character guys, and, 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 and guys that want to work hard together, and they're, they're getting re rewarded, and they're getting results. A couple of those prospects will be with us coming up next. Angelo Esposito and Jonathan Hazen are standing by to join us, and we'll talk with you in just a few minutes, a North Division week to preview ahead. He's Jared Scaldi. I'm Nick Brunker, voice of the Cyclones. Back in a bit, this is the Coors Light. Jared Scaldi Show on the Cyclones Radio Network. This is CyclonesHockey.com. You're listening to CyclonesHockey.com. Back to another segment live here at GameWorks in Newport on the levee. This is the Coors Light Jared Scaldi Show. We'll have the head coach of the Cyclones back with us next. But for the next few minutes, we'll spend some time with a man that has posted goals in two of his last four games. You recognize him at least on your stat sheet and on the ice as number 94. Please welcome for the very first time, rookie Jonathan Hazen. Welcome. How are you? Good, yeah. I'm doing very well. All right. We, we broke the news earlier about the Machua Band announcement him the captain yeah uh, and as somebody who was uh, a younger player kind of getting a chance to come to Cincinnati after being assigned by San Antonio uh tell me about the reaction that happened in the locker room when the announcement was made to you guys and then we'll talk a little bit about Matthew as a leader and then we'll go from yeah. there I was very happy it's a good guy I'm he said right uh, uh it's right in my left in the room I talk all the time with that guy mm -hmm. it's uh it, it was like me he doesn't speak in a when he came here, he doesn't speak English very good, and mm -hmm. now uh, his captain is a great guy. 
Your English is pretty good, though. I mean, you, you're communicating quite a bit in there, although I think it's funny because you being right next to, to Aubie, it, yeah. it's a lot of, there's, there's French mixed in with English. A lot of times you'll, you'll start talking, and, and then all of a sudden it'll turn into French. It's like somebody hit yeah. the, the, the uh, language button on the remote. Yeah, yeah he, he helped me a lot. That's fun. That's fun. That's great. Now, you're obviously getting a chance to get your feet wet in the professional game for the first time. Uh, uh, coming out of the, the QMJHL, the Quebec Major Junior League, uh, tell me about the adjustment period that you've, you've had so far uh, with the speed. Because obviously everybody that comes to, to the game for the first time at this level always seems to reference in one way or another how much faster it is than what you're previously used to. Yeah. Have you had trouble, or are you feeling pretty comfortable where you're at? Yeah. How how much was the learning curve? Yeah, uh, it'll be uh, it's okay, but the speed is a little bit more quick. It's normal, but I started very slow this year's, but uh, now it's very it's better, very better, and uh, I, I use my speed and I I keep simple. Just finish my check sometime. I'm not the more bigger guy, but <laughs> I try it. But it, it's okay. For sure, it's not like uh, in the in the queue where I played last year's, but mm -hmm. it's that's good. What is the the biggest thing that you've learned and worked on from training camp in San Antonio to here and now to this very day? What what's the biggest thing you've adjusted? Yeah, I, I need I need to be more more bigger, but uh, I, I need to win my battle one on one battle in the mm -hmm. ice. That's why I work right now. That's good. It's better. Uh, in my last four game. It was, uh, was better. What kind of things do you do to, to maybe increase your size? Obviously, lifting weights helps, but it's, it's more than just that. You have to yeah. stay in better condition. What yeah. things do you do to stay in shape? Yeah, I, I take some protein and some good, like, uh, to be, uh, I, I, I'm in a lot in the gym. Mm -hmm. I go a lot in the gym, and that, that's, uh, that's good. The things that we always talk about on this show, especially with the, the younger guys, is the ability to kind of go – away from the game and, and away from the locker room and still be able to kind of have that nucleus of players. The, the, it's a very group, the tight, uh, knit, tightly knit group, I should say, easy for me to say. Uh, you all are very good friends off the ice, and you spend a lot of time, I'm sure, as a younger player, kind of yeah. just hanging around with guys like Aubie like and some Obie, of yeah. the, the veterans. Yeah. It's a very nice group. Yeah, it's a nice group. And we have a good team, too, like Koger just coming, too, and uh, Luciani Gohab. That's... Mm -hmm. It's very good. Esposto just come. It's a good guy, too. He speaks French. But I have a lot of fun with that guy, too. Like, now, is there one thing in particular about Cincinnati that you like the most so far? I mean, yeah, you I, had a chance to go out. I, I love the crowd uh, but when we play. It's very good. It's not like San Antonio. San Antonio, uh, San Antonio is not as good as no, Cincinnati. No, huh? it's better there. <laughs> it's, that's, that's, a good yeah. that's a good answer. Thank he, you. Good media training. Good Thank media you. training. Um, with your uh, uh, mentality of, of wanting to move up, wanting to move up, every night is a battle. You talk about one-on-one -on -one battles with the opposition, but at the same time, you know, you're fighting against teammates at the same time, although not in the same context. You're trying to get to the next level. Yeah. Uh, is that a tiring battle on a daily basis, just trying to work, or, or do you just go out there and do your thing? Yeah, I, I need to do my thing. Like, I need to keep my place simple and... Uh, I play against the guy is more bigger of me. That's mm -hmm. why it's more difficult for me in the in the start of the years. But now it's okay. Now you mentioned the one-on-one -on -one battles, and you mentioned how as we've moved along even further, that you feel more comfortable, which isn't a surprise. That's how most rookies feel yeah. over the time. Is there something that that you have that has clicked in your mind if, after looking at 
the first four games or five games or six games, and now over the last four that you feel like, wow, I'm doing this really well, and this is why you're getting the goals and the points. Yeah, yeah, like like what uh, what I say, I, I use my speed more. Mm-hmm. It's my it's my uh, like strength. Yeah, yeah, that's. So you're using your strength, but also your stick handling ability. In yeah. my in my mind, being able to <laughs> move you. the puck has been extremely impressive of late. You've been putting yourself in good areas to score, but also moving the puck and passing it to your teammates, getting yourself, but not you're just yourself, but everyone else around you on your line in position to maybe get a shot on net or a scoring chance yeah. or a rebound, and you picked up goals just like that. Yeah. Is there anything in particular that, that has made the difference in that regard? Like, have you, have you done something different recently versus before, or is it just the same thing? Yeah, same thing. That's just, awesome. Yeah. Well, we're really ex- excited to have you here, and we wish you the best of success. And, Thank uh, you. And you did great. You did great. He was very nervous doing his Thank first you. show. Yeah, and he's that's ver- my first show. And Thank he's you. very, very good job. Appreciate Thank you being with us. Jonathan Hazen, everybody. When we come back, we'll be with Angelo Esposito next on the Cyclones Radio Network. CyclonesHockey.com. Back again for another segment here on the Coors Light Jared Scaldi Show. We'll be back again next Monday night to hope to see you here as well as we get closer and closer to Christmas. That is hard to believe. If you are looking for a late Christmas giveaway of deals, CyclonesHockey.com is the place to get the deals. Please welcome one of the newer Cyclones. We just saw him for the last couple of games against Toledo, and he is here wearing number 44. Well, not tonight, but tomorrow on the ice. Give it up for Angelo Esposito. Welcome in. Thank you. Thank you for being uh, with us on the show. I guess the, the first uh, question I have is the question I think a lot of people have asked you, and I did the same. It, are you related to any other Espositos that are NHL caliber worthy? Uh, that was the first question I asked you, yeah. and you're like, yeah, I know. No. <laughs> no, it's a, it's a common question, and no. I actually have a funny story about that. Um, when I was in kindergarten, I actually have a Uncle Phil and Tony Esposito. Uh, and uh, when I was in kindergarten, my kindergarten teacher me. My kindergarten teacher asked me if I was related to them. I said, "Yeah, of course." They're like, could we get their autographs? So I was like, "Sure." <laughs> so I go home and ask my mom. I'm like, uh, "Mom, you know, uh, my teacher wants Uncle Phil and Uncle Tony's autograph." And that's when I learned about the <laughs> Phil and Tony who played in the NHL. And they had to explain that to me. It's a good way of knowing it. But hey, I, I'm sure that those autographs to you were just as valuable, <laughs> right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, I guess the other question that I had in in my mind when I when I read about you and learned about you is, you know, a former first-round pick. It's always exciting to, to talk with them because of the experiences that they've had, although you're still young in your career. This is just your third season of yeah. pro hockey. Uh, you didn't get a lot of, uh, of ice time last year due to injuries, so now you get a chance to play more regularly, at least here and in San Antonio. Tell me about how you're feeling so far. Yeah, um, you know, my first three years, it's been pretty tough for me. I've gone through a lot of, uh, a lot of ups and downs, a lot of injuries mm-hmm. the last two years, and... Uh, you know, right now I'm just trying to battle back and get healthy and uh, hopefully, you know, get my chance to one day play in the NHL. And you saw a familiar face when you entered the Cyclones locker room for the first time, although from a little while back. You yeah. played with, uh, with Chad at World Juniors. Yeah, we played at World Juniors together. You know, that was a good experience. We were in Ottawa. We ended up winning the gold medal. So, uh, you know, for, for to see him, you know, brought back some memories. Is he much different than he was before? Yeah, he, uh, he lost quite a bit of weight, actually. <laughs> <laughs> That's what he told us. He said yeah. he's been working uh, this offseason more than any other, harder actually, than he has yeah. ever had. I, I brought it up to him, and you know, I was really surprised to see him. <laughs> <laughs> I was looking really cut, really, yeah. really fit. <laughs> exactly. uh, with the, the first couple of games under your belt with the Cyclones, certainly uh, a, a big game against a division rival one, although perhaps not necessarily in the same context for someone who, who 
just comes to Cincinnati, you may not have the same type of, of knowledge or, or previous history and the reference point of what Toledo has done or Toledo against Cincinnati, the rivalry that is. Uh, but you can really feel it. It looks like that the intensity, not just for you, but for everybody for the whole weekend was very, very high. Yeah, it was. You know, it was back-to-back games. And I think any time you play a team back-to-back, there's always mm-hmm. a, a, you know, a higher intensity, I guess, higher level of you know, pressure added and all that. Sure. So, um, you know, it was good to kind of step in and get into that. You know, I haven't played about in a month, so it was kind of good to get in and step in and get a lot of minutes and, uh, you know, be part of that little rivalry. Certainly. Bailey is here with a question for you, I would imagine. Let's see. Bailey, go ahead. Um, h- how, like, did you pick your number? Did I pick my number? Yeah. No, I, I didn't pick it. They just gave it to me. Do you like it? Yeah, it's a good number. Another good answer. Berkey's not here, so you can, you can be honest. Okay with it or not okay? I mean, it's not my number one choice, but it's <laughs> around five or six. <laughs> well, I mean, it's one of those things where at this point in the season, it's like, yeah. okay, which jerseys have not been claimed yet? Exactly. But, no, uh, I was wearing 44 in one game and then 16 the other. That's game, right. So. That was the specialty jersey. Yeah. And now, now, from somebody, an outsider's perspective, I am on the insider's perspective. I've been around Cincinnati my whole life, so I have a reference point for those jerseys, the gold ones that the Cyclones wore on throwback night. I personally think they're, they're outstanding. I love them. I wish we wear them every night. But, uh, for somebody that hasn't been in Cincinnati and has no reference point, what did you think of them? I mean, they're really yellow. <laughs> You're really flashy out there, but they're nice jerseys. Um, you know, any throwback jersey, any, you know, third jersey is always fun to wear. All right, let's ask another jersey question. If you had to pick a jersey in the NHL right now as your favorite, who would it be? Uh, right now, honestly, my favorite was the Atlanta Thrashers jersey. Really? Where the baby blue with the, oh, the Atlanta yeah. down the side. That's, that's, nice. that's got to be one of my favorite jerseys. So now that they're gone, do you do you have an affinity for some of the new powder blues that are around, kind of like, like the Floridas? The, uh, the Pittsburgh Penguin one. The Penguins. That's, that's a nice baby blue, too. Now, is that would be your all-time favorite, going back to the old days, or, or I mean, do I you have up, another one? I grew up a Montreal Canadiens fan. So, so you know, the classic. The, the classic colors, Those colors are, uh, are the colors I've always liked. But n- n- uh, Stepping in here to Cincinnati, you get a chance – to, to mingle and play with people that you may have seen flashes of at, at a certain point in this season, uh, being in training camp and being around the Florida organization. Uh, is it nice, and we talked to Scaldi about it uh, in the last segment, about how that organization has, has changed. It's kind of gone through a renaissance uh, now that Dale Talon ha- is at the helm. As somebody who's playing in the system, what can you tell us about it and how it's run organizationally i mean it, it seems so far it seems like a good organization you know they have some good hockey people up, up at the top and uh you know throughout the systems mm-hmm. from uh florida to san antonio cincinnati and uh um you know so far they've been really great with me and they've been you know they're being patient and uh, you know they, they know it's gonna be a, a little bit of time here and you know they're they're willing to work with me as much as patience is is a key uh i know that you go out there every night with a great attitude and it, i think that has to help you and somebody in your situation who's trying to kind of recover from injuries, get back on the ice, get back into the flow of things. How tough is that for you to kind of stay patient and realize there is a there is an end game to this? Yeah, it's it's pretty tough. I mean, you know, I've had two ACL surgeries within a year, and uh, you know, coming back from those was mm-hmm. was really really hard. Sure. But um, you know, I'm starting to get back to where I used to be, and um, you know, coming down here to play a little bit. It's you know, obviously, it's just another step in in, in my process and. Uh, I just got to keep working hard, and you know, I know, I know that one day I will get there. Well, we thank you for carving out a few minutes of your day to come no spend problem. some time with us and talk with everyone here. Give it up for Angelo Esposito, everybody. We'll see you on the ice tomorrow night. Back in a moment with the head coach of the Cyclones, Jared Scaldi. This is the Cyclones Radio Network. This is the Cyclones Radio Network.
You're listening to the Cyclones Radio Network. Back for one final segment with the head coach of the Cyclones, Jared Scaldi, as we get ready for another week. And there is not as much time between our conversation here and the time you will hit the ice tomorrow as the Cyclones will play host to the Kalamazoo Wings, who are winners of, or at least has points in three of their uh, last three games. They are 2-0 and 1. Uh, the Wings are, are an interesting bunch as they almost nightly, you kind of know what you're going to get with them yet. At the end of the day, there have been signs on both sides where they're a good team one night, maybe not as good the next night. Well, what can you tell us about what you've seen lately and, uh, and what your game plan is tomorrow? You know, the one thing about Kalamazoo, even when they're not, they're not maybe on their game, they're still they're such a veteran team, and they've got uh, you know, you know, Carlander and Fatorik, and you know, not that Svensson, Svensson's old, but you know, I mean, that guy, I, I believe Svensson makes him go. I think he's a guy that's extremely talented. If you can shut down Svensson, you can frustrate Carlander. You know, finished Sam Fatorik. You know, let uh, let him know that uh, he's not an untouchable out there, and that he can get finished. Mm-hmm. I think it frustrates that team, and it, uh, it 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 plays to our advantage. So, you know, our key against Kalamazoo is, uh, you know, face-off circle against Carlander. I think our matchup tomorrow night. I want AJ Jenks in the face-off circle when Car- Corey Carlander can't control the face-off circle. That's what gets him frustrated. So, uh, put a big body like Jenks out there matching his line against him. You know, making sure that we shut down Svensson and, uh, you know, make their D turn every time. Every time we dump it in, we got to make them turn, make them go 200 feet and, uh, you know, finish our checks, get in, get in Sam Fatorik's face a little bit and make sure we get the people in front of the net. You've got five games in hand on Chicago and Kalamazoo. Uh, with, with this month being at primarily now exclusively, actually, against the North Division, this is a big week to pick up points and, and to put yourself back on the on the stat sheet. Not that you're that far off right now, although with five games in hand and 11 points back of Kalamazoo, by the end of the weekend, it could be a completely different looking division. So it starts tomorrow. Uh, is the pressure that perhaps comes along with that knowledge seeping its way into the locker room or is it just another game? No, definitely not just another game. I think our guys know, uh, you know, they're, they're fully aware of the situation of our, our, our up, upcoming schedule, what we've got going on, where we are in the standings, um, you know, the games in hand, the, the fact that you've got to win those games in hand. So, no, I wouldn't say tomorrow is just, uh, you know, a, a division game like that. I think the guys understand. We, no one likes to come in the room every day and see us where we're at, you know, from a point standpoint yeah. uh, uh, in, in the standing. So, um, you know, it's frustrating. It's something you don't want to see, and players take pride in that. And, uh, you know, even though teams that we might uh, have, they have seven, eight more games in us, it's still not fun to come in and see right. uh, uh, the standing. So, no, it's definitely a, a game that we're excited about. It's a week we're excited about, and leading right up into Christmas into next week when, uh, you know, we'll get a few days off. Mm-hmm. So uh, we've got a great opportunity here over the next five games, and uh, I know the guys are excited and we'll be ready to go. And, and you and I have talked about this at length off the air about Chicago. And, and I got to think at some point uh, Chicago is going to get exposed for the team they really are, which is not as good of a club. Now, wins are wins, points they count. But uh, the, the team that has beaten the Cyclones this season, every time you guys have matched up, at least in one fashion or another, I can't imagine can continue on the pace that they're on and still find success. Would you agree? Yeah, I mean, I thought those, we've had some interesting games with them. I mean, obviously that 2-1 loss and, uh, you know, we had a 3 nothing lead another time up there and lost in a shootout. And, you know, they found ways to win. I mean, you give them credit. They've got some good players, that, uh, Riley Blair, and uh, uh, they've got some really good uh, – or is it Blair Riley? Blair Riley, yeah. So we have some good players over there. And, you know, we'll find a way. I mean, we're going to see them enough this year. And uh, – 
Uh, no better way to start tomorrow night heading into the weekend there. Looking forward to seeing you tomorrow at the rink. Looking forward to seeing you guys as well. If you can't be with us for whatever the reason, you can listen to us on the Cyclones Radio Network beginning at 7.15. For head coach Jared Scaldi, I'm Nick Brunker. See you tomorrow night and back here next week for another edition of the Coors Light Jared Scaldi Show. Thanks, guys. On the Cyclones Radio Network.